And here we go, uh, going through the day's stories with a mind to what day it is. It is National Indigenous Day here, and I would like to welcome Michelle Robinson, who is a.k.a. Red Thunder Woman, who is a Satu Dene activist and host of the Native Calgarian. Michelle, it's so great to have you today. Boy, you know what? The honor is mine. I, I really appreciate you having me today. Michelle, first of all, how does it feel on this day right now in Canada? Well, I think there's been a, a substantial shift in the last five years. So today actually really does feel like a bit more of a celebratory day, which is lovely. It is, and we have so many things swirling around this day, too, and stuff that matters. It is hard to believe that it was a year ago when the unmarked graves were found in the residential schools, and now there have been apologies. There is an anticipated visit by the Pope, and we'll get into whether or not he's going to make it, but Michelle... That was a moment here in Canada. It was certainly one of the few times that I heard from people in the Indigenous community that said people were listening. Canada reacted. They were there. Do you feel it's continued for a year? Well, I think we're getting there. I think it was a real wake-up call for a lot of uh, folks to really understand the gravity. Um, I will say, though, unfortunately, we had known our entire existence that there were indeed um, uh, unmarked burial sites since the beginning. Our elders have been telling us about that, and there was actually a whole volume in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission devoted specifically to the uh, missing children and unmarked graves. So it was only new to Canadians who clearly had not read the Truth and Reconciliation Commission 94 Calls to Action, because even in the smallest, most basic summary, that was in there. And it was just really clear to us as Indigenous people that people had not read it if this was new to them. Um, but for us, it was not new. But it was it was hard because um, all of these wounds were reopened at a national scale on the national media in a way that we had never seen before. Uh, for the first time, we were getting press unlike before about these these issues that we had been speaking about for decades. It's true. It was in there, but there was something about the discovery that made it very real. I mean, we'd, we'd been through various moments, and I think we were prepped for it in a lot of ways. Sure. Yeah, the rediscovery, I think, was a real um, change for Canada on how they looked at Indigenous people's trauma for the first time and and the um, impact, because I think for a long time we've always said that, you know, it's what they have done to us. And for a lot of folks, they, they didn't understand it until that moment. So it is nice to see a huge shift in Canadian understanding of the gravity of the issue. And uh, I think that that is why that maybe this June 21st feels a lot different than previous ones. Now, the visit and the anticipated visit by the Pope, and we understand there are some reporting and rumors that he might not make it, that maybe he is considering resigning or stepping aside as the Pope. What kind of a moment would that be if he did arrive here? You know, so as as a niece and as a granddaughter of Indian residential schools, 
I really want to see my grandmother and my aunt and my uncle see that apology. I think it will mean the world to them. Just as in the TRC, they are very clear that that was something a lot of the survivors wanted. Uh, so it will be very mean, meaningful to many of the survivors that did survive these awful uh, genocidal policies to see that. Uh, for someone like me who wasn't forced to go through these systems, um, I could care less. In fact, the opposite. I don't care for him one tiny bit. It doesn't matter to me what he says, but it does matter what the survivors say. So my opinion really is irrelevant in that sense, but I know it would make my granny happy and my aunt and my uncle, and that's why I want him to come um, and say these words to them and to any of the other survivors that are still here. You know, as we as we look at all the issues that are connected to this, they this is a file that has not been handled well by many, many governments, not just this one, many before. Is there a feeling of political input here now? Is there a change not just in the hearts and minds of Canadians, but the political will right now? I think for the first time, uh, politicians from all stripes do understand the gravity of this issue. So um, and we've seen it in the conservative uh, uh, platform yet, but what I'd like to see is all parties um, speak to this issue very clearly that this is a priority to them, and not just in economic terms, but also in um, the 94 calls to action. You know, we had we a... We need to see it at the... Mm -hmm. uh, provincial and municipal level as well. So until we see all parties from all political stripes working together for meaningful dialogue, and unfortunately we haven't seen a lot of that with COVID, so I'm hoping that will change for truth and reconciliation. You know, we focused as a nation in a divided way as we looked at the convoy and the occupation, the protests, whatever we want to call it, in Ottawa, talking about freedoms. And now there may be another one on Canada Day. On Canada Day, a lot of the issues that you and I are talking about in connected connection with the Indigenous people come into focus here. How are you feeling if there's an, another protest? Well, I don't really care about the protests per se as much as I care about the lack of uh, political willpower and uh, justice system double standard when it comes to dealing with non-Indigenous protests compared to Indigenous protests. Mm -hmm. And as for Canada Day, there's no pride in genocide. So if folks want to celebrate Canada Day, what they are doing is they are dancing on the graves of those um, children that are still not properly buried. Is there any way for the country to come together on this with a celebration of what Canada is and what it was before? I believe there can be if there is a real uh, change in what meaningful dialogue and um, equality becomes. So, for example, right now, Indigenous are still oppressed under the Indian Act. Uh, we still uh, only have 0.2% of the land mass. Uh, when we're the natural caretakers... And considering we have an issue of climate change, had uh, uh, folks from Canada understood that it was actually their colonization that has caused climate change and um, the, the meaningful impact that UNDRIP would have, and that's the United Nations Declaration on Rights of Indigenous Peoples, 
if they would understand the gravity of, of all of these major concepts, we could do a lot of change for the good that's not going to benefit just um, Indigenous people, but all Canada and all of our newcomers and all the refugees that we are bringing in. Um, Indigenous people aren't here to be selfish. We are here to share. And, and ironically, because uh, Canadians have a really uh, black and white way of looking at life, they don't see how giving we've, we have been giving <laughs> and how much we continue to give and how much that we continue to want to work together. So my hope is, is that Canada will start coming to the table in a meaningful way. And when I say Canada, I mean more than just Justin Trudeau. I mean more than just the federal government. I mean every provincial government, every Canadian, every neighbour being respectful, understanding to each other. So that, that's what I see as uh, a possibility of for us to start enjoying Canada Day is having meaningful reconciliation. And then and then we can start talking about uh, celebrating together. You know, on this Indigenous Peoples Day, it is amazing as you take to social media to see all the sunrise ceremonies that happen really all across the country in cities and villages on the East Coast, on the West Coast. How does how is that going over, Michelle? Honestly, getting positive media for the first time in in a long time has been so wonderful. And, you know, I think uh, the calls to action for media and the calls to justice for media, uh, while they have not been implemented, I think for the first time, a lot of uh, media are seeing that it's so easy to give us positive media if they would just look and having more Indigenous people in the newsrooms and more uh, Indigenous people allowed at the table in the in the board, di- uh, board of directors is making these changes. So the more that we start seeing equality, the better our, we are going to come together as a country. How have the Indigenous people and how has the method to where you want to go changed? I mean, you have a podcast. There's an Indigenous channel, the, as you just mentioned, there is a welcoming in so many different aspects. And has that changed the movement at all? Yeah, I think that Canadians, um, you know, tight grip on our voices has really, um, you know, we've we've learned how to navigate around it through social media and now these podcasts. And as a result, been able to start telling our own stories our way. Um you know, it, we still have a real problem of oppression dynamics where it's non-Indigenous still uh, d- determining funding and non-Indigenous still determining what stories can be told and non-Indigenous still determining um, titles of news articles. So until we have full equality, full understanding and, and public servants have that anti-racism and Indigenous education, we're still going to see a little bit of uh you know, a colonizer point of view of, of our, our way, but we're slowly starting to have a more of Indigenous worldview. And bigger than that, we're starting to have um, the Indigenous people coming and rising to the front, and our true allies are, are actually amplifying our voices. So, you know, we're going to keep going. As Indigenous people, we have survived uh, how many apocalypses? This is just another one. And we are going to keep going and continue to be strong and resilient. All right, Michelle, too, you know, as we watch uh, the Indigenous movement in the United States, how close is that with Canada? Is there a a new kind of connection there? Yeah, so um, the imposed U.S.-Canadian, U.S. boundary was imposed. That wasn't something that we all agreed to. So the Jay Treaty is something that is supposed to be recognized by both um, countries. 
recognizing that Indigenous people didn't create those boundaries. So a lot of our folks, like I'm in Blackfoot Territory, part of the Blackfoot Confederacy, and mm-hmm. Blackfoot or Blackfeet, uh, south of the border here, you know, right now they're working on many renaming uh, of a you know prominent figure that massacred many uh, Blackfoot people. Uh, they're changing mountains. They're changing um, all sorts of things that have been named after them. And they're doing that work now with uh, the same elected um, spirit that we're trying to achieve here in Canada. Michelle Robinson, thank you for joining us on Indigenous Peoples Day here, and we really appreciate it. Take care and enjoy the rest of the special day. I'm so honored. Thank you for having me, and happy Indigenous Day and happy Pride. All right. All of it. Michelle Robinson, a.k.a. Red Thunder Woman, Satu Dene activist and host of the podcast, The Native Calgarian. I'm Arlene Bynan. This is On Point.